0: hey 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 Matt how are we doing today bud
1: I'm doing well man it's good to see you it's kind of nice to be uh, doing the in-person thing again we don't do this too often
0: yeah and we got the obligatory weather check probably it's a little bit cooler overcast uh, Friday afternoon in Southern California it almost feels right to be uh, sipping on maybe something uh, that matches the weather
1: yeah absolutely For uh the first time in a while, I'm actually able to wear a jacket outside, and it feels appropriate, right, for the temperature.
0: And It looks quite nice,
1: not just for the look. This is my <laughs> my awesome new barber.
0: Oh, it's a barber! Very it, nice. Name drop. Yeah. Yes. Um, Put the, that in the show notes. It is
1: the uh, the Tom Ford of uh, pretentious outdoor wear. <laughs> um, but yeah, my I have an older one that needs to be rewaxed. So rather than just rewax it, I bought a new one.
0: You know, it, and I love recently people saying, oh, I'm wearing sweaters so I can take nice wrist shots, right? I mean, it's yeah. classic. <laughs> I, think, I think you say that. <laughs> uh, well, let's not, let's not hold our guest uh, too long without having a chance to chime in here. I want to share uh, a little bit about who we have on the pod today. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've, we've been working on this for a while now. Um, none other than uh, wine, spirit uh, extraordinaire, David Driscoll from Mission uh, Wine and Spirits and uh of other notoriety and fame david how are you man doing very well thank you
2: thank you for having me it's great to share a beer outside with you
0: it is now speaking of matt where are we right now i've seen this spot on pictures mostly when you send it to me and, and let me know when you're quote unquote doing work
1: sure yeah so this is uh this is mount low brewing in the city of arcadia and this is um one of i think one of the bigger better more kind of well capitalized from the outset um you know, small brew craft beer operations here in San Gabriel Valley. So Mount Lowe has been in operation for say three to four years, something like that. Um, And they've got a pretty good pandemic friendly layout. You know, we're here outside and I'd say they have, I'm just guesstimating, but they probably have seating for about a hundred outside in the beer garden and a lot of really good beers on tap for the Socals who are listening. If you're in the LA, you know, uh, Orange County area, this place is worth a trip. There's a lot of good stuff around here, and Mount Lowe is uh, certainly you know a standout here in San Gabriel Valley.
2: David, you've been here before? I have not been here before, and I was very impressed walking in. Just the the, the wide space inside the brewery, the the free popcorn machine, <laughs> uh, ski ball uh, not ski ball. One of my why can't think of the name of. Uh, Table hockey game. Air hockey. Air hockey. God, yep, there you go. I was calling it Ski ball, uh, <laughs> which would be really cool by the way too. We'll a bad? ski ball. Air hockey and uh if, everything inside is. We've got alligators. lawn games. We've yeah. got like the 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 the
0: person size Connect Four. It's family friendly actually. We have a I mean, ping pong table inside. I it's saw. awesome. Yeah, we've actually got a, a baby in the background. So. Yeah, there is. There's there's dogs. There's, there's a a dogs dog. and
1: babies. Yeah, there's a couple of dogs. There's a alligator. A couple of dogs at this table. Actually. Yeah. I saw the, I saw a wild peacock on the way over here. <laughs> a lot is that it? That's a thing a here? here? Did yeah. they escape from the arboretum? So yeah, the deal is the this area was all originally a, a land grant and then that was taken over this area by a guy named, I think it's Samuel Baldwin, Lucky Baldwin. Ah, famous, okay. Yeah, famous bar or mm-hmm. series of bars actually. Yeah, there's in a couple Kasadina. of Pasadena. Lucky Baldwin and this guy, the, the arboretum for LA County, if you've ever been there, was his home.
0: So oh my gosh, really?
1: Yeah, yeah oh. so that, that, that whole area was kind of where he lived and they brought in the peafowl to control the snakes on the ranch so this area was all ranch land everything kind of north of the freeway is what's called the upper rancho and that's for people you know who aren't familiar you know that's 4 or 5 6 million dollar homes on you know acreage yeah um, here in LA county it's pretty rare you know it's the curving streets and it's kind of the uh, Oh, I don't know, the like the winnetka of San Gabriel Valley, if you can kind of picture that, so.
2: I, I thought I was hallucinating because I was just going through a neighborhood <laughs> street and on the front lawn was this bright, beautiful blue bird. Hundreds yeah.
0: of
1: them. Oh, it's hundreds of them. I was, I was just, whoa, whoa, what the?
0: So my kid's uh, preschool is in, basically within a neighborhood. Yep. And I dropped them off not too long ago. And as I was, I kind of made a, a weird way to come back home. And anyway, I found a peacock on somebody's roof. And that would crack me up if I came to my own house and there was a peacock on my roof. Ah. I would die. No, you see too funny. funny.
2: You know, with all the issues with fire and heat and drought, there's a lot of animals moving into interesting parts of L.A. And we were, I was with a friend in Hollywood, and there was a skunk that just came out of nowhere and just, like, snatched the food out of our hand. Out of your hands? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, came up and we were eating tacos outside in a parking lot. Uh, It was not carnitas. It was carne asada. Wow. Anyways, lots of uh, never dull (laughs) moments with animal life around here. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: there's really not uh well speaking of not any dull moments let's do a pour check because i'll be honest there this menu is pretty substantial there's got to be a, i don't know two dozen different beers on here
1: at least yeah for a uh a craft brew place i mean i think a standard is probably anywhere from six maybe eight things yeah. on tap here there's you know well over a dozen um, plus other things i think that they have canned so i am drinking um This is the, well, I want to say it's the Lowdown. It is the Lowdown. Yeah, the Lowdown IPA. This is a kind of a a New England style, I think is how they're building it. It's not super bitter. It's not hazy, but it looks like it's not um, totally filtered either.
2: It's also not like 9% alcohol, Mm because I'm drinking the same thing. And I got it because it was only a few degrees higher than the blonde that they had. And I was trying, I'm going to go out to dinner later. So I wasn't trying to get all, not all messed up before uh, dinner. (laughs) But I did feel
1: like an IPA, so...
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got all the stats here. It's only at 25 IBUs, right? So yeah. I imagine it's not a hot bomb. I don't have it yet. No,
1: so yeah, the other one that they have here, the other IPA that they have here is north of 100. Yeah, I saw that. It's a bigger yeah. one. The
0: Hills have IPA, which is a great name. That is a great. Yep, name. yeah. And their can art looks pretty good on my quick scan earlier. I, I'm looking forward to the checking the rest of them out. The here is very
1: cool, yeah. yeah. So anyway, and on the wrist is uh, the Stalwart. This mm-hmm. is the, the Pond 50 Fathoms Bathysgaff. I've just got this on the, the Sail clock to not intentionally but to kind of match the jacket I guess it matches And uh, yeah it's just a the good you know daily stealth fighter nobody knows what it is I love it so how about you what have you got
0: well we uh, we took a picture right before we started because uh, there was a couple of glasses and one of them didn't quite fit in so I got a small pour quite like David I was trying to mind uh, my intake so I could maybe try a few things Um, I've got the uh, inspiration porter which is a coconut porter 5.3% 5.3% on the ABV. Um, how about this? Ironically, 41 on the IBUs, yeah. higher than your uh, than your lowdown, which is uh, quite something. Uh, it's good. I I've been craving porters and uh, and stouts this week, and I didn't have any in my fridge, so this was like the first thing I I definitely uh, tuned into. It's good. I wouldn't say it's overpowering on the sweetness of like you know the coconut kind of uh, inspiration. Um, Nice kind of uh, you know roasted flavor profile on it. I'm digging it. I just got a small pour, so I can get a few more. But uh, so far, it's just hitting the spot.
1: That's probably wise. The small pour here. Yeah. Definitely sample a few things. So cool. How about on the wrist?
0: On the wrist, uh, you know, my attire might might give it away. So I went with sort of a Christmas motif. It's you know office holiday party season already, right? So I've I've got this weird mix of like. You got the great sweater on. I do. The yeah.
1: Sweater it, it just makes it. Yeah.
3: I'll
0: probably take. I, I should describe it to folks. it's, it's kind of like. 4th of July meets Christmas? I don't know. I mean, yes. I'm red, white and blue today, but it's it's quite quite obviously
1: Christmas. Yeah. i I got reindeers and snowflakes on here anyway the only thing i would say i mean if i had any criticism of the sweater go good let me have it it's insufficiently ugly to be an ugly sweater right like that's the whole kind of kitsch right with the the holiday sweaters christmas sweaters they're supposed to be over the top like gross yours is i think actually pretty cool
0: you know i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna take that i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna i'm gonna put forward a petition can we stop calling it ugly christmas sweater parties and just call them christmas sweater parties mean I just it's been a little bit played Uh, just throw it if it's ugly cool if it's not that's cool too just put on a Christmas sweater a holiday sweater whatever you want to call it
1: yeah it's uh, the Department of Redundancy department to say ugly Christmas sweater in my opinion so
0: I might start the uh, anti Christmas party sweater Christmas party sweater there you
1: go
2: there you go Uh,
0: on the wrist I've got the uh, BWC kind of early 60s um, chrono 35 you know millimeters or so people have probably heard it or seen it um, blue dial really fun kind of tonneau um, you know cushion case Valjoux 7733 on the inside super fun it's on a blue croc right now and it's got you know red white and blue on the dial too. so everything just kind of came together you know with the fit
1: I like that strap that's a really good one it's a great strap
0: that's a Hovigs uh, strap attack acquisition um, you know Basically, all these OEM, you know, straps that she was, you know, Natalie was just moving on and we were able to grab them and Sweet. she's awesome. So. I've got to
1: make a run. I haven't been in a while. Yeah. David, we'll have to jump you in. Yes. To oh, yes. please. Yeah, we'll, we'll tell you about that offline.
2: That happened when I was in the, uh, the Crips. They would, they jumped me in as a teenager, so I'm very familiar. <laughs> strapped the the yeah. process. Yeah, they actually strapped me. So this is gonna be very familiar, I'm, I'm ready. David, what's on your wrist? What's in your glass, man? I'm doing the same thing. Uh, I've got the uh, the Lowdown IPA, and uh, on the wrist is the Vare Diver. Um, I've got the, the Vare does a, a Swiss movement, a Japanese movement, and then an American Quartz. Uh, and they break them down by numbers. This is the Japanese uh, movement from Seiko uh, with the steel bracelet, and it's one of my favorite watches for every day. I have pre-ordered their Swiss diver, the D7, and then I have another D5 diver that it's uh, also Seiko that I've pre-ordered, because I'm just such a huge fan. Um, I go back and forth between that and the A12 Dirty Dozen, which is the Swiss ETA movement on the old school, uh, World War Two style watch. It's got to be NATO. Yeah. Got to be. Yeah, yeah. That, I actually have a, a strap, the, the black alligator strap, which is what I bought originally. And then I saw that, why, why do I not have the old school military style strap? Like, that's just the way. To, that's, that's what. That's what Frank Sinatra would have worn in a World War II film as a as a, as a pilot. So uh, and it's uh, funny because when that. you find that strap that just hits, you're like, no, 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 that was,
0: that's how this was meant to be paired and worn. Like that's yeah. what it was. That's what it was for.
2: Right. I used to, I, mean, I like this Mianzi for um, thin watch to wear like underneath a dress shirt. Yeah. But now I've taken. Uh, I'll take this strap off, put the alligator strap on, and that's my tuck it under the. Uh, tuxedo shirt
0: yeah yeah well we're gonna i think we're gonna make a deep dive into kind of what you have with us today um but before we do that maybe by way of introduction maybe we could share a little bit about kind of who you are what you do um kind of what brought us together i think that would be a neat way to set the table maybe per se and so you know david is a a long time sort of veteran and uh you know knowledgeable source uh in, in sort of the beverage industry uh, amongst a number of other things um, pop culture sports uh, <laughs> 80s and 90s uh, you know historical references and, and things like that but uh, but David's got a long and, and, and very successful career I think in beverages I think is maybe where, I, especially where I know you from but I think where maybe many people who do know you would probably associate you um, so David tell us kind of what you do right now, um, and kind of maybe how you got there. And I think that might be an interesting way to set off a few other questions that we might have for you.
2: Fantastic. I will keep it as short as possible. Um, you don't have to. <laughs> it's not all We're that, long form here. It's not all that interesting. It's <laughs> basically, I uh, when I was 27 years old, I was teaching elementary school in downtown San Francisco. Uh, I was sort of over it. I can only imagine what teachers are thinking now. Ooh. So, I mean, uh, this is... Thank you, teachers. This is obviously 15 years ago. Um, yes, thank you, teachers. My parents are all teachers. My whole family was teachers. So I was sort of on that path. Uh, I was getting ready to go to Hastings Law School, um, but I needed a job that wasn't teaching in the meantime. And uh, I found this job at and Wine Merchants because I had been living next door to a wine store in Milbrae, California, a small town right by the airport. Yep. And I um, I'd been hanging out at this wine store sort of learning about it because I was waiting for my wife to get home from work and I was like well shit if I'm gonna wait I'll just (laughs) wait at the wine store I just got tastings and so I said well I've learned a lot in the last six months living here maybe I could fake my way into a wine job and just do that for a while until I figure out where this law school thing's gonna play out. Um, That turned into 11 years at K&L Wine Merchants. Okay, now, uh, for those who don't, I think probably almost everybody will know
0: who they are, but if, if you're unaware, I mean, just a completely powerhouse, you know, wine and spirits
2: outfit yep. based out of California, but I mean with a national presence. Right, the powerhouse, I would say, boutique, wine and spirits store on the West Coast. Um, I was hungry, I loved the job, I was just diving into everything, I was I had a lot of, I, I still have a lot of energy, I had more then, um, so I started writing and blogging, this is before, like, Social media really took off as a way to influence drinks culture It was mostly about blogs and like uh, Message boards Mm -hmm. where guys would you know trade ideas and so I sort of tapped into all of that and started writing and Nobody else really cared about it and that took off after you know a few years because not only could I write about it I could travel and I could show people where we were going to find Mm
3: -hmm. a lot of
2: interesting products that we were then selling and so Uh, I made a lot of connections, met a lot of people. I started consulting as well. I became sort of de facto a celebrity brand consultant because once you do a job for a celebrity brand uh, and the job works, they tell their other celebrity friends and now every celebrity has a beverage company at this point. So I just sort of get passed around the Rolodex. So that was like a side thing that I was doing, um, which was fun because you get to go to fun parties and meet people, it's crazy. I left K&L to, to join a tech company, which was maybe the most profound educational experience of my life. I did that for a year, and ever since then, I haven't kept a job for more than a year. Hmm. I've, I'm on my fifth job in four years. Um, and I'm at one year admission, and so you know, people are like, well, what's next? And for now, I don't have any ideas. I, I like consulting on the side that gives me enough um, Freedom to explore other avenues rather than just the retail side, but I like helping people So retail is a fun place to be because you get to put bottles into hands of people Uh, But I've worked as an importer. I've worked as a as a distributor uh, I've I've done everything and um, uh, I Think now What's the next challenge? I mean, you know, we can talk about that as the show goes on obviously. Yeah, that's it That's the uh, that's the the resume
1: so and for people who don't know, and if you're a SoCal listening, and I know we have a, a, quite a few, um, if you don't know, first of all, shame on you, but Mission Wine & Spirits um, is, a, is a huge name in terms of retail presence in the Pasadena area. So again, think kind of North San Gabriel Valley, L.A. County. Um, I've been there many times. Just one of the best selections of spirits, especially agave spirits, mm. uh, but a lot of other stuff too lot of great wines, and it's one of those places you can go where the the staff is—it's just on another level, you know—the the level of staff knowledge. So if you are, yeah, if you're into sort of this life, you know, the the adult beverage, wine and spirits, about you know, this cocktails, life. yeah, exactly. Yeah. We about the bone this vivant here. lifestyle. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> the, the, I think it's in our Is that yeah. our tagline yeah. still? <laughs> that actually is. I think is. it might be. <laughs> But yeah, you know, that's um, you, you, you owe it to yourself. There's a few places that are really, really good for a very good retail alcohol experience. And Mission is definitely, you know, kind of first among equals. So go, check it out. Cigars Thank too, you. actually, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, been, that's like
2: the thing that I am diving into hard because I've just never known anything about it. So yeah. to have access to this world that I've, It's like the next frontier for me. I've already sort of done everything else, so my mouth is not happy with me this year <laughs> yeah, I'm just chewing on sticks like, uh, like we should that, talk some sticks i know that, nothing like but i'm curious yeah, yeah
0: it's that's fun. awesome <laughs> that's fun it's a new thing right yeah. it's, it's fun so like you said something to dig into yeah
1: yeah totally that's not something i know a lot about either and it that does seem to be a blind spot you mm-hmm. know considering all the other things that we talk about and that we like yeah there's a lot of people that are in this hobby the watch hobby yeah um you know, people who are into wine and cocktail, obviously, as you know, you know. And then it pairs so well, right? right? I mean, so, you, you know. pair it
0: with almost anything that we enjoy, whether it's yep. food, drink, yep. whatever.
2: No, it's fun. I'm not going to lie. I really yeah. enjoy it. And right. I've, I've got to meet a lot of people. One of my dear, dear friends, Matt Ferrix, uh, he helped found Westland Distillery in Seattle before it got purchased by Remy Quantro. And then once that transition happened, he sort of phased out of the company. And now he's the VP of sales for La Polina Cigars. And so that's allowed us yeah. to work together again. And we're just fucking crushing La <laughs> sales at Mission right now because it's really all about relationships. Yeah. Like that's the fun thing about a business where you get people who you love working with. Yeah. And even when you move on I and mean, I was at K&L, he was at Westland. Now I'm at Mission and he's at La Polina. And yet here we are back again, yeah. just loving being together, loving this whole synchronicity that is, you know, our industry.
0: That's not advertisement to work with the people that you like. That you like, then yeah. I don't know what is, right? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, this was unintended. Seriously, I mean, um, listeners, you can believe that if you want, but it's true. Uh, how great a parallel is there between that notion, right? The idea it, that there's, it's a relationship-oriented, not just the sell, but like the enjoyment of things. Um, how much does that apply to watches? And especially like micro brand watches, you know, you've got, David has brought Laurier and Fair and, um, you know, basically brands that we haven't talked about yet, but where, you know, there's a, I think a a high likelihood, right, that you're going to have some kind of connection with the brand, with the principles of the brand. And that makes you want to support them more. All right, so we're back, sorry about that. We just had to do a quick pause because we needed another beer. But anyway, we were starting to say something along the lines of, you know, that there's a parallel between the the personal nature of what you do in terms of, you know, not just the, the wine and spirits, but the cigar thing, but also the watch thing. You know, we, I've I've got some cool watches, Greg's got some cool watches, but these are from big brands that, you know, you have no, no contact with, no communication with. Seiko does not know who I am. They do not care. They don't even know you? They don't. You know, (laughs) they... I mean, maybe,
2: but I doubt it. I just bought an Epson printer. Do they know me?
1: I Uh. doubt it.
2: But (laughs) yeah. But that was the fun part about... So I had a... um, I had a Rolex Submariner uh, that I sold a few months ago. Ah, Uh, nice timing, I think. Yeah, no, it was a great timing. I I came up and I I put the difference towards a car. uh, A Tesla. Um, The... The point being that I traded out the Rolex to start supporting small, sort of family-run or friend-run uh, uh, watch designing companies like Vare, like Paulin out of Glasgow, Scotland, and like when my watch band got lost in the mail during COVID, one of the sisters from Paulin, um, you know, emailed me directly and said, "Sorry, we'll take care of you." You know, it wasn't so, yeah. a customer service rep; it wasn't. Somebody who works at the store, it was one of the three sisters who makes the watches. Yeah, or a completely unanswered message. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. In the info at blah, 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 right. watchmaker, you know, watchcompany.com. So I'm I'm loving it. Like, I love I I only, uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to my friend Ewan Morgan, who's the um, Diageo whiskey ambassador for the United States, Scottish guy who uh, is in charge of all, like, the, the high end Diageo releases and Johnny Walker releases. He's a, a friend and he's the one that got me into mechanical watches and automatic watches because he said that his COVID hobby was restoring old Rolexes. Interesting. So he was like taking them apart and fixing them by hand. And I was just fascinated by this. So we were talking and I said, you know, tell me more about this. And then he sort of schooled me on everything. And I've liked watches since as a kid. Yeah. Uh, But I didn't, I just liked the look of them. Sure.
0: Which is the first thing that anybody would normally like, right? right? Okay, so let's take a pause then on the uh, on the on the the spirits talk. I think we're going to come right back to that. But so let's get into the watches then, cuz I feel like it's natural where we're at. Do you remember wearing a watch as a kid? Like what was that watch? All the time. Yeah. Swatch. Swatches. Swatches all the time. All the time. Yeah. And
2: or, or I liked like really complicated faces on digital watches. Got it. Okay. So like I love digital watches that had a digital uh, movement of an actual clock with the yeah, of an actual dial with Uh, all like stopwatches and like pulse and a guy running if you put the stopwatch on like the more chaotic the face (laughs) was the more i was was for you so
1: that's making me think of like the um the casio world timer oh yeah you know what i mean it's got the little the kind of a globe reference and it's got a a, uh I, i don't know if you know the watch we're talking about but it's um you know basically a graphic representation of an analog. You yes, know, exactly. Yeah, and then it, you know it's got a digital readout as well. Right. um That's like literally the best. Like you know, thirty bucks you can spend. Literally in, in watches. Yeah. Um, that's
2: all I cared about, and I and I would stack them. Oh no kidding! Like in like the late '80s, that's that that was the shit. Yeah. So I'd have like four watches <laughs> on one arm, like layered. Sweet is the best. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Always loved watches.
0: So okay, so you're wearing swatches. You're wearing like super cool digital shit that's like fun and funky. You're doubling, tripling them, quadrupling them up. Yep. Um, Do you continue wearing watches after that, and then before you come into sort of okay, this is the new mechanical watch world? Like, where do you
2: watch? What are you wearing as you start taking your first like jobs? You know, or are you wearing watches still then? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm wearing, you know, I'm wearing like designer stuff. Like I have this Gucci watch here that I that I bought. That's like it's the most expensive of all the watches here yet it's the cheapest movement possible yeah it's really just a uh uh costume
1: piece so i'm going to describe this jewelry. so it's
0: pretty this is pretty cool so the the fate i'm pretty i'm guessing it's about 41 42 millimeters maybe yeah
1: yeah i'm saying it's like a, a 42 millimeter it looks like the architecture looks like a diver and yes. it looks like it is on a like an integrated, uh, not integrated, but a really well-form-fitted rubber strap. OEM Gucci. Yeah, so think um, think like, you know, Rolex Submariner on a, uh, like on an Flex. Yep. You know, so it, it fits all the way up to, you know, the case, and the lugs are, you know, perfectly matched, but it is bright red. With a lion on it. Yeah. <laughs> and a textured red dial. Yeah. Under behind the yes, behind the lion head, right. it's incredible.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. No, it's a it's a piece of work. I got that because I bought my wife a very very expensive engagement uh, or not engagement um, anniversary present at Barney's, and if you spent a certain amount, they give you a thousand dollar Barney's gift co- gift card.
0: Okay. Like a thousand bucks. So you already hit the threshold. You're like, oh, I hit I'm the about threshold. to get a thousand, thousand yeah. free bucks.
2: Right. So I was like, fuck it. I want the, Gucci. sorry. Can I, can I drop an F bomb here? Yeah. We put, yeah the, right. we
0: put the, we put the, the adult rating on these. Okay. <laughs> so
2: I was like, let's go with the Gucci watch. And I, you know, I've always been interested in the, in the, uh, in the aesthetics. Yeah. Um, but now that I, I'm sort of, I'm sort of the opposite. I, I got into a bunch of, uh, let's say this. I'm not a patient person for the most part. Um, I don't have the patience to geek out and spend seven hours like taking apart mechanical things. It's just not in me. I will completely space out and find something else to do. But at the same time, I found that forcing myself to do certain activities has been therapeutic during COVID. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, all of these activities that I've never thought of myself as capable of doing are starting to calm me. So, I found that during COVID, I've gotten into certain hobbies where taking apart complex mechanical machines is part of what I enjoy most. Interesting. To give you an example, I shot a gun for the first time during COVID. Never shot a gun before in my life. Mm -hmm. And then like- At a range or something? Yeah, at a range here in Los Angeles. Not in your backyard. No, not in my backyard, (laughs) not in my house. There's a range up outside of Sylmar that's the Los Angeles shooting range. And- I had more fun watching the guy take the gun apart and oiling all the parts and cleaning it than I did actually shooting it. Yeah. And so that sort of oh, it, it, it awakened the tinkerer in you. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. A geekdom inside me that I didn't know existed. <laughs> so here I am uh, now with a display of mechanical watches before you.
0: So let's get into it a little bit then. Let's see what let's talk about what we have in front of us because um, you know I, I know a little bit about what sort of your collecting you want to call it that, right? You're, but you, what you're interested in, and, and you mentioned earlier, there's brands that you like to support, and I think a couple of them might be local even. What's what's sort of in front of us? How did it come together? What's sort of the uh, the, the progression? Where did it start, and, and where are we now?
2: Well, so like I said, I bought the Rolex. I bought it on Chrono 24. Mm-hmm. I bought it with the advice of my friend Ewan, who um, gave me a lot of good input. Um, loved it. Thought it was great. But then got the Vare as a second watch, and was like, I like Ooh. this just as much, and it's literally one twentieth of the price. Good yeah. for you, by the way. Not yeah. only like
0: to literally receive those yeah. almost simultaneously, we'll just yeah. call it simultaneously, and be like, "This is cool," but this one really, like, "This is cool. Yeah. This is the, this is the thing for me." That's if amazing. I could,
2: if I could take on a marketing contract on the side, I would take on Bear. Bear, are Very uh, listening, I would absolutely rep them through the moon. They have great customer service, um, super responsive. Love all their watches. Love the way it feels. Love everything about it.
0: So and uh, and Vera, just as an aside, we're recording this on a Friday, um, uh, early December. Just got a, a nice big feature on Hodinkee, um, which probably everyone here and I imagine a number of people listening probably also caught. Um, so it was nice to see them get that publicity because that's that's big for somebody, you know, any brand, but especially for a brand that's coming up like that.
2: Right. Well, and as I told you, I have two watches here. I have that and the the A12 uh, Dirty Dozen, the World War II sort of um, uh, in- inspired piece. But I've pre-ordered two others as well. And then, um, but those are, you know, those are, those are self-winding. So I wanted something that was fully mechanical. And so I bought the Laurier. Uh, it's a full, total wind-up. And that's the Chinese movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't wind it, it doesn't go. It's not going to wind itself on your wrist. What are, what, what, are these Miyotas? Remind me, do you Yeah, remember? they're Miotas. Yeah.
1: Is it Miyota or yeah. Seagull?
2: No, I, I think, think it's, it's a Miota. Miota. Okay. I want to say it's Miota. Yeah,
1: all right. It's Miota. I honestly don't know. But yeah, the, the build quality on this watch, so again, for you know people who, uh, who are not familiar, this is the Laurier that is the two register. It's like that... Uh, the Gemini. Yep. And it's... Um, I always get this mixed up if it's Panda or Reverse Panda, but essentially uh, white <laughs> yeah, dial, too. you know, black uh, sub-dials. Uh, manual wine pump pusher chronograph, really, really like um, aggressively tapered bracelet, flat link kind of. Uh, and it looks like that goes from. Pro- I'm gonna guess that's probably 20 down to 16.
2: That's probably right.
1: The case profile is very reminiscent of this watch, which is the. This is the uh, the Seiko SPB149, and if you kind of look at this side on. And kind oh wow! Yeah. Some of the some of the DNA there, mm-hmm. totally. And the Laurier, I did not. I mentioned this in another episode when we got together with Josh and Summer and Chase for beer up in Sierra Madre a few episodes back. I did not understand why Laurier was so popular until I. And this is the second watch I've been able to handle. It's great.
0: Yeah, and I mean it you fully you fully crazy. kinda come around and like on record saying, Hey, like I just didn't know. Like, I you know, and now I do, and I'm hey, they're pretty good. They're really they're really impressive. I mean, the value proposition's high. Um, but also just to your what we were
2: talking about earlier, aesthetically, they're just really beautiful looking watches. Right. Well, and that's how that's what led me to the Paul N from Glasgow, which is my swatch, you know, like I love swatches. It, Reincarnate, it, right? It, yeah, it very looks much
1: like, looks like it's got like swatch DNA with that yeah. sort of that uh, what would you call it, like an aquamarine blue yep. dial.
0: Yep. Pink. I mean, I think they're pink numerals, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of.
2: That's the, uh, the uh, neo C uh, commuter.
0: Yeah. Sort of a uh, orange indices, if you want to call them that. You know, the, the at the at the hour markers, and I think a red second hand. Yeah. Black date window. I mean, it's like it's fun. I Millionaire's mean,
1: bracelet. Fun. That looks rad.
0: Yeah, it looks really good. Gives it almost like that new Nomos Grandpa bracelet look. You know, like
2: it's yep. uh, it's yep. kind of like a, like an older style to it, but it seems modern. That well, it's like if I'm if I'm if I'm going. So if you go to a cigar show, back to cigars real fast. Sure. I went to my first big cigar show in Las Vegas this summer. Like I'm there with my buddy Matt, who I mentioned before. He knows everybody, so I'm 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 with all the big swinging guys in the room. There's not a guy in that room that doesn't have a big chunky bracelet on. You're yeah. talking like big watches. Yeah. That's like it's a required. Have, uh, a lot of Panerai. Yeah, exactly. I was
0: gonna also say probably a lot of precious gold, precious metals. I'm yes. imagining gold. I'm, yes. i gold in my head. You're
2: yeah. imagining like rock and, skinny rock and roll guys, <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, weathered denim, black boots, motorcycle t-shirts, beards, um, baseball hats, uh, trucker hats, and then huge chunky watches or. Billionaires wearing tailored suits with huge chunky watches.
1: Okay. I yeah, I'm, I'm kind of picturing that like, right that whole scene So right if there. I
2: meant like all of these pieces have a certain Time in a certain place the bear The sort of Submariner style style there is for that room. Yeah, but if I want to go skateboarding I might pull out the Paul N with like some Vans. And a, a, a kooky vision sweatshirt.
1: Yeah, that to me that looks like that's the ideal kind of weekend watch. You know, I don't I don't know if you're swimming in it, but in no. every in every other pursuit for Southern California, that seems pretty ideal. Yep. You know, if you're hanging out in Hollywood or if you're going to a uh, kind of a cool hot spot to eat or if you're grab on Fairfax. Drinks,
2: yes. If you're on Fairfax going to John and Vinny's, that's the watch you wear. Yep.
1: Yeah. That looks really cool. And I like the bracelet a lot. Super cool.
0: I feel like there's one we
2: haven't touched fully on yet. That's the Mianzi. Yeah. And that's, uh, I got that because my wife was buying a bracelet there and I I liked the idea of a really skinny, sleek black watch that Mm -hmm. I could wear with dress clothes. But now I feel like the Vare A12 Dirty Dozen is sort of my new version of that because that's the, uh, I don't know, now that I know how quartz works versus you know a movement that's automatic or mechanical, I'm just not as intrigued by it anymore. But it is yeah. beautiful. It's just thin and sort of like deco.
0: Yeah, I'd almost describe it almost like there's a little bit of Bauhaus
2: kind of style to right. it to some degree. But it's funny because I have a literal Bauhaus watch that is the Bauhaus logo on a watch, but it's like a cheap rubber watch. And I, I almost brought it, but I didn't. Uh, now, when you say Bauhaus, are
1: you talking design school or the band? Well, both. I'm so uh,
2: through the crazy world that I've navigated of. of of celebrity booze um, David J. Haskins from Bauhaus has become a good friend of mine so we have a whiskey drinking uh, appointment where once every couple months I'll go to his apartment here in LA and we'll sit on his roof and drink whiskey and David J. from the band Bauhaus gave me the watch with the Bauhaus logo that is both the band Bauhaus logo and the logo of the famed German design school. These are the kind of appointments that I would like on my calendar. Yeah, you can nope. come over and do that. It's, it's fun. There, he's a really fun guy to drink whiskey with. Loves to explore. Really open-minded. It's like you pull a bag out of, pull a bag of bottles over with David J, and he's he's thrilled. He's such a fun guy to drink with.
0: So, speak. Let's let's. We're gonna wind this back around again. Kind of integrate spirits, which I think is is part of what we do always, but. Um, is interesting because of David's experience. So part of how we met David, at least in person, I think I had seen a little bit of, you know, your your name come across as, you know, newsletters would be, you know, come out or here you know, here's what's going what's going on kind of in and around Southern California and spirits. But uh, we have a mutual friend, Brian, from the high west
2: saloon. And you've known Brian I think for a, a long time. No, I've only known him for like nine months. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. So you guys are just
0: kindred spirits, really.
2: Yeah, I mean I I'm not from LA, so I don't know anybody. Yeah. Uh, I, and at 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 Mission, I didn't know anybody. But Brian lives at you know he's he lives in the vicinity. So well, he lives at Mission. Yeah, he lives at Mission. <laughs> so he's there all the time. So. Brian, if you're listening, he's probably there right now. It's Friday, isn't he's it? He's probably there. right I now mean, Well, he might have already made a stop. We'll see. He, he may have. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Brian and um, Brian introduced me to a bunch of guys that he hangs out with in Pasadena, who became the core of my initial list because mm-hmm. everything's about you know I I've been out of retail for three and a half years. I have no contacts in Los Angeles on the consumer side. Yeah. So Brian was instrumental in helping me establish a network of people. That's where I met you, and yeah. that's where I met everybody else. Yeah. That's interesting, you know, and I think it, I, maybe I had sort of conflated it a little bit
0: because I knew that Brian knew of you at your time at K and L. Based on like you said the writing and just the relationships maybe not personally but I think he was aware and so when you came to mission I remember he made a big deal about it to me and I'm like I don't know who David is you're gonna have to tell me like school me on this you know and he's like no this is good for us this is yes. really good well it's been, it's been great for him <laughs> yes it has and it's been great for me so it's a, it's
2: a it's a it's a good it's a good working relationship and he's such a nice guy and he's yeah, so fun friend. and so kooky and like all the like the best ways
1: he's such a great on tour, isn't he i mean he is, he's yeah. got the voices and he's just a, an interesting physical presence yeah. and the barrel i mean it's all about the barrel well I mean,
2: if you want to see him at his best you know go to his instagram account high west saloon that's h-y-e saloon west h-y-e because his wife is armenian so it's the 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 high the is the h-y-e and um watch his videos watch him He's such a genuine, real person. The person on the camera is absolutely the person who he is. He's so giving, and um, and and so is Gar, his wife. She was on, you know, Top Chef Amateur, so she's like a serious chef. So between the two of them, they've got this this bar in their home that is unlike anything I've ever been to, and it's just full of nostalgia. And every time I go over there, we open baseball cards from 1989. Dude, the last time we were there, I I have not opened cards
0: with you guys before. I've been to the saloon a number of times. But, I mean, that seemed to me like it was the jackpot of all jackpots. We
2: opened up a a Randy Johnson rookie card from 1989 (laughs) that was, like, in perfect, perfect Gem Mint 10 condition. Like, centered in the frame, no rough edges. Like, everything about it was perfect.
0: Yeah. that was That was, that was, it felt like we had struck gold. Yeah, it was
2: fun. I mean, that's, but you always feel like you strike gold over there because every experience at that place is. So just like uh, it's, it, it, it reinforces the idea that hobbyism and um, the pursuit of profit hasn't completely taken over every last hobby out there. Well,
0: that's an interesting point. I think we should dig into that.
2: I can go on forever about that. And about I think, how I think the, you should. The cost of things has completely changed. Um, the way that people interact with these hobbies. Um, To give you an example, I wrote a a blog post on the 219 site that I run. So the marketing company that I run on the site is called 219. We're gonna link to that. Yeah, okay. So there's a blog on there this week that I've been getting nonstop email about. It's all from friends and um, colleagues. It's called The Death of Boutique Wine and Spirits Retail. And it was a gut punch for a lot of people that I know. Not because it told them something that they didn't know, but because it reinforced something that they already did know. That's the worst. Which is that um, the hobbyism of whiskey and wine has taken out the necessity for wine retailers to exist in terms of a source of expertise. Wow. Everything you need is available online. There are countless influencers who are making videos, creating content, telling you what you need to know to get you hyped up if it's not them then it's the brand itself yeah or the brand itself is in league with influencers who are working together to create content wow
1: does this sound familiar
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is an it's very much an analog to i think the watch collecting hobby as well but but it's this is very specific to, to to wine and spirits but you see it.
1: There's a massive kind of burgeoning landscape of watch YouTube. And I, you know, obviously we participate in it, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, watch uh, uh, podcasting and, and everything. And on the one hand, it's making everything great. But it's, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And it's also kind of, yeah, making everything sort of suck a little bit. So you really have to kind of pick and choose. I wonder, though, if there is not going to be sort of a... a A counterculture like hobby revolution where you know the the personal connection and the the interaction with somebody directly is gonna be the like the differentiator between like a a good versus like a premium or super premium experience I I don't know you know I think as you say you know that the the influencers and and bloggers and and youtubers etc are all out there and exerting their effects but um, I think that the real kind of the cool thing is still going to have there's still going to be that inside line, you know, in air quotes, the inside line that you could have to somebody like. Well, uh, I don't even I can't think of a name offhand, but you know what I'm talking about? I know. I you yeah, know what exactly.
2: But so there's there's two ways of looking at that scenario that 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 you've just laid out. There's, it's like the stand, Stephen King. There's, mm. there's, there's the group here, and there's the group there, right? And so um, you've got, you've got the apocalypse, and everybody's sort of linking up together to exert their power as a group. And yet, like The Walking Dead, you come to a town like Terminus that looks like heaven, and it turns out they're, uh, they're getting ready to slit your throat and eat you. So, uh, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen season, whatever, three of The Walking Dead by now. But You probably should have stopped there, yeah, somewhere thereafter. Yeah, yeah, shortly yeah, yeah. afterwards. you, you got to stop after Negan shows up. So, um, yeah. On a, on a side note, my wife, who's a famous introvert, showed me a meme the other day and said, if you want to talk serious, I don't want to hear about you know your Instagram account. Talk to me seriously. Tell me at what point you gave up on The Walking Dead. Let's talk <laughs> about some real shit. But... Um, back to the point, so let's say that you join a group of other like-minded people who are just as passionate about your hobby as you are, right? You, you're you in a social network with them. Let's say it's a Facebook group. Let's say it's a Reddit group. Some Reddit groups exist only to provide points of contact to the bottle itself, as in it's, a, it's the Waze app. A Google Map to find the bottle you want. So you're part of this Reddit group. It's not really about, hey man, what did you have last night? What did you like? It's not about that at all. It's just like, hey, Mission's got Weller 12 in stock right now. Go 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 go.
0: And all I, systems go red team, And red I know team. when
2: that happens because I see orders coming in, Bing 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 Bing, and it's it's never somebody who's been shopping there. Yeah. It's always their first order and I'll absolutely fuck with those guys and just turn it off. <laughs> and then I'll turn it back on later when they don't know. Um, I have no tolerance for that. I'm not looking to be ransacked by a wild plague of locusts that just comes to suck the life out of our store and then leave us with nothing. Right. For That's, your for your,
0: consi- for your customers that are with right. you all the time. And for
2: anybody that has a problem with that, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> At David. Yeah. And...
1: Um, that's actually yeah. That's that's very punk rock. I mean, I, David's got kind of a punk rock. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I mean, it's um, it's like antithetical to you know, Big B business. But um, I would do it. Yeah, because that's not what you're there for. Yeah. So the number
2: one reason that people are getting out of retail, again referencing the the blog that I was talking about, is that they feel like they're they're no longer relevant to the customer experience. Which is the customer makes a purchase online, either picks it up in the store or has curbside delivery or ships. I'm no longer relevant to this customer's experience and I feel relegated Mm -hmm. as a result. Not to say that, oh boo hoo, the retail store worker doesn't feel appreciated. No, it's not about that. It's like the retail store worker will just choose not to be a retail store worker. Mm -hmm. So when you go back to Mission, or K&L, or High Times, or Wally's, you name it, you're talking to somebody who knows literally nothing because they've only worked there for two weeks. Hey, I'm cooking chicken tonight, what's a good Pinot Noir? I don't know, Pinot Noir's on aisle seven. Yep. I mean, and and as that happens, you think to yourself, you know, I just drove all the way over here to get some help and some expertise. You know, I'm just going to order online next time. And it becomes a vicious circle Mm -hmm. to where it perpetuates the devolution of Wine and Spirits Retail because it only reinforces people's beliefs that the Internet has already taken over. I'm trying to shop local. I'm trying to use these tools that are within my community. But... um, it's not, it's not happening. So, to go back to your point again, the other side of the hobby group is the enjoyment group, and this is where Brian and the High West Saloon fits in. Nothing about the High West Saloon is about access to bottles. Nothing about the High West Saloon is about helping the people that hang out there acquire allocated items from a bevy of retailers across the state. It's not about go to that store, rape their whiskey shelf, take all the valuable things and leave nothing in your, you know, in your path. Mm-hmm. It's about, hey, I don't really care what we're drinking. Let's just all get in a room and drink and tell stories. Yeah, And that's the side that I want to be on. When the apocalypse happens, I want to be in that group. I don't want to be in the raping and pillaging group that goes across the landscape, you know, uh, uh, fucking people out of their precious resources and taking whatever they feel like they need in that moment, you know, because there's no law anymore. I want to be in the the calm, friendly, you know, uh,
1: relationship-oriented side. Yeah, the people side of it. Yeah, here, here. I um, I feel like I'm ready to like grab the battle flag. Let's go!
0: <laughs> What's uh, uh, uh oh shoot I'm blanking now. The Mel Gibson. Uh, uh, oh, Brave Braveheart, Braveheart. Yes. Braveheart. Freedom. <laughs> Whiskey.
2: Woo. You can disembowel me, but I will still yell freedom. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Well, I don't know. I think that's a a really good way to look at it. And so our hobby on the watch side, you know, where Greg and I are probably a little bit more, you know, at least I am, more maybe watch-leaning, and I think Greg is probably a little more balanced, you know, watch and spirits. But the the watch hobby is in the process of being changed quite a bit by people who are not really hobbyists, but, you know, who are speculators Mm -hmm. and investors. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the same sort of thing. Or, you know, people who've just... Everything from, you know, on the high end, you know... um, I mean the the uh the stereotype is right the finance bro yep you know or that kind of thing but there's plenty of people who just haven't had anything to do you know at um you know middle income folks who've been you know getting getting money in the mailbox and you know have not had a lot to spend it on over the past couple of years and are going nuts discovering new things and whether it's you know uh good booze or in our case watches um it's changed the face of the hobby and how we sort of feel about it significantly. And certainly, As it should. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's something like Rolex, you know, you talk about getting something off Chrono24 and then selling it. Rolex is a commodity now. Yeah, absolutely. Rolex is not a particularly great watch. But, it, I mean, you know, I, I like them, you know what I mean? In other words, um, I, how do say this? I know there's people, like, gnashing their teeth and, and rending their garments right now. But... Uh, you know it's a very it's the benchmark kind of watch. You know, great watch, well built, kind of a, a status symbol, but it is very much like the entry level nice watch. I feel and, the same way about Blanton's is, bourbon, right? Ah, yeah. So that's like the, that's Blan- the Blanton's bourbon is a
2: great bourbon that you feel like is your first bourbon mm-hmm. and then you drink it and you mm-hmm. realize it's really not that good. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. I think every every industry has a version of that. Mm-hmm. So what happens after that then?
1: so well what's happening now is um rolex the tool watches in particular and the sport models the steel watches are literally unobtainium for 99 percent. i mean you hear occasional stories of people who luck into you know the ability to get something from a dealer but for the most part You know, if you're that person who's saved up for a few years and wants to treat yourself to a special watch for an occasion or an accomplishment or something like that, you are shit out of luck if you want a Rolex and you're just average Joe. If you don't have a significant purchase history, and even then, it's a gamble. Rolex is still very widely available. They're not rare. They're everywhere. They they make like a million of them a year. But right. yeah, but they are. Um, they're on the gray market. And instead of you know spending something on the order of say seventy nine hundred to let's say ninety nine hundred dollars, you're going to spend fifteen grand to twenty thousand or more for. I mean a the entry level Rolex watch is the uh, Oyster Perpetual. Mm-hmm. They've made a number of, you know, uh, uh, kind of color dialed versions. Fun colors. Yeah, fun, fun stuff. Fun it's very non-rolex. One of which is kind of tiffany blue adjacent. Yep. That watch has become like the ultimate go, uh, flex, go, uh, flex watch go, uh, in the past year or so, and it's gone to the point where, you know, it should cost about five grand and maybe six grand, whatever. And now I've, I've seen them for sale twenty thousand dollars. Look at look at Jordans,
2: yeah. like yeah. Sneaker, Nike culture. Jordan's, sneaker, sneaker culture. Sneaker culture. Mm-hmm. Look at look at Macallan. The Callan used to be just 12, 15, 18. Now it's all sorts of pastel colors, different names. They've taken the age statements off of whiskeys. You don't know how old it is, it has a name. This is all familiar. Everybody's running from the same playbook. Yeah, yeah. And the results are the same. Yeah. Um, What you hope for is that you have a breakthrough like me, in the sense that I bought a Rolex as a newbie to the genre who was sort of like oh wow I want to like figure this out and then like within like six months I'm like oh yeah this is sort of like I'm the I'm the I'm the douche here (laughs) and so um and I and I realized that about myself so I'm like all right if I can sell this I mean it's 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 crazy uh I I bought a Tesla because I want a, a a fully electric car yeah I don't. I'm, I would reasons, like perhaps. to save the planet. I don't believe that buying a Tesla is a virtue signaling act of saving the planet. I I think it's a sleek car, but really, I just want a car that doesn't need gas. But when it's pushing five dollars a gallon, right, it's $6. right. But my the only reason that I did it was because I was able to sell my three year old Honda for the same price that I bought it for new, because there's a shortage of chips. Yeah. Yep. And I was able to sell the Rolex for three thousand dollars more than I paid for it used. I basically bought a Rolex for $7,000, wore it around on my wrist for nine months, and then sold it for $10,000. Yeah. I got paid $3,000 to wear a Rolex for nine months. That's a nice job. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> job. It's a job that I'll take any day of the week. But I think there's, so this is, I'm, this is a big, big part of who I am as a person and what I believe in. I don't believe you should talk shit unless you know. So if you want to talk some shit, Be knowledgeable. Be, like, if you want to talk shit about Rolex, buy a Rolex, wear it around on your wrist for a year. If you don't like it, talk some shit. Otherwise, shut up. (laughs) And it's the same thing with, you know, people who talk about whiskey and wine. Oh, that's overpriced, that's over this. I was like, have you had it? Well, no, I don't need to. It's like, yeah, you do. Because if you haven't had it, how do you know? Can't talk about it. And you can't talk about it. So I'm, my MO as a human being is, I am absolutely willing on the drop of a dime at any time of the day to to trade dollars for experience. Because the experience gives me the credibility and the capacity to talk with authority. Which you have in spades, and you know I'll stop there too for a second and say
0: that both Matt and I are card-carrying members of the Rolex Club. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's a, you yeah. know, like
3: yeah.
0: it's here, <laughs> it's it's real, you know, and I appreciate it. But I also see, you can see you could like you said you're informed and you've experienced it. You can have an opinion and then lay. You can still see both sides of the of the of the coin on that one too. Hundred percent. Like yeah.
2: I, Pappy Van Winkle is an amazing bourbon.
0: That was so okay. Go on.
2: But it's a it's a fucking douchebag bourbon at the same time.
0: So that was gonna I, before we got off. I was gonna I didn't want to interrupt the conversation. I was gonna ask. So Rolex has become sort of the poster boy for what we're talking about right Right.
2: for for all the reasons
0: right We just talked about it I was gonna ask you if the parallel is sort of Van Winkle absolutely right because in all it's a fine spirit yeah the prices are not justified but you can enjoy it and it could still be okay both all those things can all be true right so is that sort of the
2: poster boy on the bourbon side absolutely but there's an example for any genre that you want to come across where there are people charging more than a spirit is worth and it's 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 like you said the idea of a culture of people who are not traveling, who are not dining out at least not with the ferocity that they once once were. So it has freed up a certain amount of viable income mm-hmm. for them to dig into some other hobby, and it, bec- it that happens at our expense. Yeah, the thing that kills me. From a retailer perspective, is when so part of the reason that I'm uh, I'm I'm sort of I have a it's I, I hate talking about myself because it sounds so egotistical, but the point is I have a little bit of a Robin Hood reputation because I'm all about taking very luxury luxurious items and distributing them to the working class equitably right right. as in like Mm -hmm. you've never had pappy and you can never afford it i'm gonna hook you up you've never had this i'll take care of you like i'm i don't want to be the guy that hooks up every rich douche with you know another rich thing for them to not care about um i want to hook up the people that Work hard, and who have never had these experiences, so that they can form those experiences
0: and truly appreciate it, right? Like, oh my gosh, this is
2: great! Like, I finally had a chance to experience this. Right. So, I guess the 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 point of what I'm talking about is that uh, I've I, I completely lost my train of thought, but I was going somewhere with this, and where I was going with that is the idea that um, offering these experiences to people who can truly benefit from oh I'm sorry I know where I was going with this the thing that makes me sad is when you do offer it so I love offering these experiences to people and then when I do and I discover that somebody is playing like the sympathetic card for well I let me me back up I think I know what you're getting at let me just let me tell one story a friend of mine a friend of mine posted or sent me a text of a somebody had direct messaged him on Instagram. Okay, so it's a screenshot of a DM. It's a screenshot of a DM who has said, listen, I saw that you have this bottle. I wanted to reach out to you as a human being. My father has cancer, he's dying. He's got stage four carcinoma. Um, his last wish is blah, 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 blah. Would you be willing to sell me this for a fair price so that I can have this experience with my father? And that is, I texted my friend back and I said, that's my every day. Every day, somebody, people have gotten, people have come to know that I am uh, a bleeding heart. So they email me these bleeding heart stories about how I should take them into consideration when I'm distributing these, you know, highly allocated products and I have to test people now. It's like, it's, it's crazy. The well, the cynic in me
0: was going to say that. Like how, what's the percentage of real versus bullshit? Sir, I mean, you don't know, no, but
2: no, you don't know, but it's total horseshit. Yeah. It's total. It reminds horseshit. me when I
0: met jury duty and I'm like, you're telling a lie. You're yeah. bullshit. You're bullshit. You're bullshit. You just <laughs> want to get out of here. That's I fine. Mean, but... As
2: time goes by, everything becomes so complicated. Yeah. It becomes like, all I want to do is take this inventory in and sell it and get it out. And now I have to like, read sob stories from people who are may or may not be legitimate people yeah I and mean, it's it's nuts yeah everybody's got you know an angle for what they want to get from their hobby and some people have you know they're like sociopaths who are willing to play people's emotions and do whatever is necessary in order to get the thing that they want yeah uh, and that's that's what makes me sad that was the long rambling uh
1: half forgotten point that i wanted to make well no it's a good point there's i don't know if that'll ever work in a rolex ad no but well you know it's different
0: right? so you would have, probably have to back it up to like the maybe the ad side of things right how does an ad then handle you know multiple brands like they control a little bit more because rolex is a little more siloed right yeah so you'd have to go like maybe look at it from like an ad perspective like okay i've got these several brands we're getting in you know this new the new release we have xyz number here's our list who are we going to take care of who's speculative who's like a real person who has buying history right you know what i mean it's it's i don't know that seems like to me a little bit of the the connection there
1: yeah i don't know if i could ever say something to the effect of you know oh i've i've got a uh a dying family member and the only thing that's really ever gonna make them feel like they've you know kind of had that last dying wish is a grubel forcey you know (laughs) make a wish make a wish for a tourbillon a a tourbillon does make a wish (laughs) foundation accept those kind of requests i mean let's find out (laughs) no i'm kidding of course but uh, no you you make a good point i you know we could probably kind of stop there with that thing because i think anybody who's listening to this on the watch side of things and you know that uh Who are wine collectors, who are bourbon collectors, who are everything. I think everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. And I think everybody feels our pain. And we use, you know, Rolex gets picked on fairly or unfairly. It's justified. I mean, say whatever you want. It's justified, but it is what it is. Well, yeah. But I mean, because they're they're the name that everybody can think of. They're sort of the benchmark where every man, if they wanted to save their money... In previous years, I mean, ten years could, ago, yeah, could get Five a Rolex, right? Now, you you can have the money, and you can't have you can't have the watch. Well, that's what pisses that's what pisses me off about
2: the Buffalo Trace situation, and this is um, this is a very hot button, controversial subject, in the fact that I don't feel like anybody really understands it. So, when you go to the Buffalo Trace Pappy Van Winkle website, they list the MSRP. So it says you clearly know, written out. Yeah, seventy nine ninety nine for a bottle of you know Pappy or the Van Winkle twelve year or whatever it is, right? Let's just I'm I'm, I'm making that up, but it, it's there. And then you walk into a store and it's nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. And some guy says, "You're you're absolutely scalping people. This is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, I will never shop here because I know what the MSRP is. It's written clearly on their website. And you, sir, are gouging." And it's like, okay, true. But do you understand that Buffalo Trace has specifically chosen to require retail accounts to spend tens of thousands of dollars on other products that do not sell with the ferocity
0: that Buffalo Trace bourbon sells? So the unintentional MSRP really is actually elevated. It's elevated. Your total buy buy is all the way up here yes. and you basically are bringing
2: that up to then I see I have uh, retailers like my uh, uh, well we and other retailers have to artificially inflate the prices to cover all of the slop that we did not want to buy interest that was required for us to get those products What that does is it gives, and I'm picking on Buffalo Trace, just like you're picking on Rolex, but they're far from the only people doing this. There are all sorts of companies that like to go direct to consumer and be like, hey man, we're just a common old fashioned distillery selling old fashioned (laughs) products to good people for good prices. And then they go to you and be like, we're not giving you these allocations unless you buy $10,000 of this vodka, $10,000 of this cognac, you need to put posters up, you need to put floor stacks up, you need to put end caps up, you need to train your staff, you need to do this A, B, C, D. They are absolutely coming in like the mafia yeah. and demanding perks and all sorts of placements in order for those allocations to be released. This is the horse head in the bed. It is the horse head in the bed. and so. <laughs> I, I have a very short fuse for people who who like to play uh, holier than thou when it comes to what things should and shouldn't cost because you don't understand what's happening behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, that's not even really an, an, a negative or a knock on Buffalo Trace. It's more a knock on the... the... The dummy basically who walks in thinking that all of this happens the pricing happens in a vacuum. Right, correct. That yeah. is that is and at least, a better point. Yeah, at least I guess one thing that's interesting and I'd, I'd be interested to explore this at an, another time, but it, in your situation as a as a retailer for fine spirits, you I presume it's expected that you can capture or you need to capture market price regardless of what the MSRP is but like a a Rolex AD cannot right and that's that is that is the problem with our gray market in the watch world is the they cannot charge if if the watch the retail let's say the recommended retail price or the suggested retail price is $5,900 and the market is 18,000 they cannot ask for 18,000 right so So those watches disappear from the ADs in, in some cases, I'm sure most are legit, but a lot we think are not. And there's been cases where it's been, you know, determined that it's not. And that's what everybody, unfortunately, is undermining, you know, the confidence in the collector community of, you know, how things actually work. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's just a, a bit of a difference. Well,
2: person. I mean, it's, it's actually worse for you guys. Because, well, you guys, I say that like I'm not a watch person. I am a watch person, but. You're a nerd. I'm, I'm not as nerdy as the two of you when it comes <laughs> to the understanding of what's happening in in the market. But I will say that it is perfectly legal to go on Chrono24 and sell your Rolex. Mm-hmm. It is perfectly illegal for any private citizen in the United States to sell a bottle of alcohol Good to point. any other person. Yep. So Good you point. cannot do it legally. So if you're doing it, it's happening surreptitiously outside the scope of federal law. And, I would also say that a Rolex or any other type of watch can be used and then passed along to another individual who can continue to use it. Not a consumable. A bottle of whiskey cannot be used and consumed and then passed along, unless you're gonna drink my piss. (laughs) Which I don't think you wanna do. So, um, it doesn't make any sense in that sense. So. If we can, is and I don't know
0: if this, if there, if there is an answer to this, is there, is there a positive spin? Because you've been doing, you've been doing some uh, sort of the, the hard work behind the scenes, right, to sort of do the right thing, right, by by the good people, sure, when you can, right. Is there a positive spin? Like, what's what can David or uh, you know consumers or other people? What what's the positive spin? Like, where's is there, is there a way to make this a happy story?
2: I would say, no. <laughs> and that's, that's a very realistic uh, um, way of looking at it. But I would also say that it's the same, th- it's no different than people that are horrified by climate change. If you're horrified by climate change, you can stop shopping on Amazon and supporting like, I mean, you've probably read the LA Times story about trucks idling in the Inland Empire, which asthma cases and huge warehouses going in, it's killing the environment, blah, blah, blah. You can choose to stop shopping online But I mean, your impact is gonna be so nominal, minimal compared to what's happening. You're not gonna be able to really do anything about it. And I would say the same thing is true for commodity-driven hobbies. Look at baseball cards. Going back to our story of opening baseball cards with Brian at the saloon, right? No one who collects baseball cards, they probably don't even like baseball. It's really not about the love of the hobby as much as it is about the opportunity to come up on a found commodity that is worth more than the time and effort that they put into paying for it. There's a gulf that shows your net gain, and they say, wow, I I spent $100 on packs, I found $1,000 cards, $900 profit. That's a lot of the motivation for people who buy whiskey, and I'll leave you with this very, very dissatisfying story. (laughs) Um, there There was somebody who was emailing me for months and months and months, asking me if they could, if I could help them get this bottle. It's the only bottle they cared about. Any sob story? No, it's just like, listen, I'm just a normal guy. I just really love this whiskey. I just want to drink it with my friends and my family. So of course it comes in and of course I, I, I email him and I say, Hey dude, I got your bottle. Oh, how much is it going to cost? Is it going to cost me this much? He's like, no dude, of course not. I'm going to give you the right price. Oh my God. Thank you so much. This is so meaningful. I love shopping with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So then I send a second email that says, oh, and by the way, you can also have this if you want. I also just got this in. So you can only have one. So if you want the one that you asked for, or if you want the one that I'm offering you now, let me know which one you want. And I specifically offered him the rarer second option because he had specifically told me in a previous Email that he wasn't a fan of that
1: whiskey. I see. So we, we, yeah, we know what he chose. Yeah, we know what he chose. (laughs) And my
2: point is, he chose it because the options for him to profit off of that bottle, either via trade or sale, or or uh, kudos on Instagram for having bagged, you know, a trophy deer that he could brag about. Um, By the way, that's a thing now on Instagram, to go shop somewhere and. Take a photo of the bottle with the receipt, as in like I bagged this stag. uh, Dual meaning there, yeah, yeah. And this is the this is my receipt, so that you know I didn't overpay, that I paid the normal price. Bag the stag. Bag the stag. So my point is, is that even like the most sympathetic and heartfelt customers who are emailing me out of genuine desire for something can be easily turned in the snap of a finger. If I offer them something rare, they will choose the rare option time and time again. Human condition. And I don't have a solution for that, which you know, which probably, probably does not bode well for the watch industry either, but with this fine display before us, nothing that I brought tonight was over $1,000. And they're all incredible pieces, and I've got two guys like you to share them with and to geek out with and to, you know, we're all holding each other's watches and fondling each other's timepieces. I'm wearing this Vare, this
0: 36 millimeter <laughs> field. Oh my gosh. That's this, a really this cool is is yeah, like, yeah. Oh man. This is grab and go. You just anything.
2: Right. Yep. And that's what it's about. Ultimately. It's about, I think that if, if, if there is a positive take to come out of this, it's that the internet is going to split society into like the stand. And you're going to have the people on one side that join societies that help them profit and become more, I would say, artificially happy. I'm happy. I got a Rolex, right? Yeah. It's like the song Popular by Not A Surf. Oh, great reference. You know, from the 90s. Yeah. Um, And then you've got, uh, you know, people like us who don't need fancy things or fancy watches or fancy beers to have a good time together. We're just genuinely around this table because we passionately care about these things and that's why I'm here because I met two guys today who were super into this and
1: that's fun for me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, my wife's gonna be stoked that we made a, a stand reference. She might actually listen to this episode. Uh,
1: yeah, that's a, uh, a phenomenal book. I, I don't think I've read that in probably 30 or 40 years but that's a great one. Yeah, very David, cool. David,
0: where can we
2: find you? Uh, online? Yes. Uh, in person?
1: I'm Both, at anything, all so the things?
2: So, my personal... Uh, Instagram is at David W Driscoll. My uh, obviously I'm at Mission Liquor. If you want to come to my store, um, if you want to, if you want me to consult for your brand and tell you why your brand is not working in the market, I'm at 219, uh, 2 underscore nine underscore teen, and uh, uh, you yeah I'm around.
0: He's accessible. He's a he's a good time. Uh, he knows he's probably forgotten more about spirits than I think I'll ever know. And, uh, and on top of that, he's just a, a rad, fun guy.
1: Yeah, this is actually, I came into this not really knowing what to expect because we never met. Um, and I've, I'm sitting here like in rapt <laughs> fascination. I, You know, I we kind of have to go here fairly soon. But at the same time, I'm like, I could definitely see doing this again. You seem like the kind of guy like I need to know like long term. And who knows, maybe this will even rekindle my interest in cigar, but... Yeah, thanks for joining us, David. This has been a great, great time. I appreciate it. I really love the opportunity to see the Vera watches. I've never seen one in person, and really to get a second look at a uh, at a Laurier in the flesh. It's a, f- a fantastic piece, and actually kind of interestingly fitting because we've been on a, a bit of a microbrand. We cake. have. Yeah. So this is super cool. Serendipitous. Well, awesome.
2: Thank you for inviting me, and thank you for sharing your knowledge with me. And uh, I look forward to doing this again if if uh, if
0: it works out it will we'll make it maybe uh we've referenced brian so many times in the high west go back and listen to that episode but i think all of us together would be a a real a real fun time we should go to the high west saloon yeah Yeah,
1: we should go to the high west saloon mark it down yeah Yeah. all right put it on the calendar (laughs) mark it eight dude (laughs) (laughs) all right
2: thanks guys cheers thank you Cheers. cheers